Go. Hello and welcome to another episode of the One British Man English Podcast. I'm your host, Lee, and Happy New Year. I don't know if you're allowed to say that this far into January, but there you go. If you're new here, let me tell you who, what, how and when I am. I am an Englishman who moved to Finland and started teaching English creatively to the whole world, actually. I teach online English conversation and I strongly believe in learning languages naturally with real, relevant and inspiring content. And that's why we're here. So that learning English doesn't feel like an uphill struggle. How am I? Not bad, thanks. Because that's the only acceptable answer you're allowed to give in English anyway. And when am I? Not really sure what that means. I guess I'm now. This podcast is split into two parts. Part one will be a topic discussion and we're keeping it fun, natural and full of real English language that you would hear in Britain. Stuff you can actually use. Sometimes there's a guest and sometimes it's just me because it's easier and the idea is just to listen, enjoy and try to understand unfamiliar expressions using context. Part two is where we're actually picking out the native expressions that I've used and we analyze them together so that you can start using them confidently in your everyday English conversation. Sound good? Then let's get on with the show. Don't you love it when they say that? No, you ain't never gonna be that. Fuel in the flames of the fire, up to the sun, and take the words of the liars. Load up the guns, I saw the sun. So today's topic centers around white lies. We're going to look at this from various angles and essentially figure out if telling a white lie is acceptable or not. We're going to look at the actual words and whether the term itself is offensive. We're going to take a few scenarios and examine whether it's okay or not to utilize these white lies. And we're going to look at how a white lie can protect or hurt someone's feelings. But before we do that, it's time for some shameless self-promotion. Now, I do this for free and I don't want you to have to listen to those random, unrelated adverts in the middle of my podcast. So I'm just going to tell you a little bit about my business and how I can personally help you to improve your English. So I offer private one-to-one English lessons at intermediate level and above. But these lessons are centered around you and your life, making sure everything that we work on is useful from day one. If you're a professional with really good English skills already, but you feel like you're no longer developing, then let's work together and we'll customize the lessons to push you forward. If something has changed in your life, maybe you've got a new job or you've started interacting more in English and you've noticed that you really need to improve, come and have a chat and we'll figure out a way to push you forward with a long-term plan. One that keeps you motivated so you don't have to keep quitting and starting again, quitting and starting again, because that's just demoralizing. There is nothing we can't do when we put our heads together. You can be the driver in these lessons and I'll be the English guide to make sure that you reach your destination. You can find me at my website, speakenglishwithlee.com, where you are welcome to contact me and ask any questions or arrange a free trial lesson. You can also follow me on One British Man. That's my Instagram page. If learning English isn't fun, 
then you're doing it wrong. Hold on a minute. I'll do that with a cheesy advertising voice so you can book me for voiceovers too. If learning English isn't fun, then you're not doing it right. Speak English with Lee. Okay, that's that done. Let's continue with the best podcast in the whole world. That was a white lie. Let's begin by looking at the expression itself. Is the term white lie racist or offensive? Well, these mean different things, don't they? So let's take a look. Political correctness has gone a bit mad and it's difficult to use the words white and black in any context without someone jumping down your throat and accusing you of being a racist. But the truth is, did you see what I did there? The truth is that humans have always associated colours with the emotions that they evoke and it often comes from the nature around us. We associate red with danger and warnings, perhaps due to the colour of our blood when we hurt ourselves, intense heat from a fire, for example. Black is often associated with mischief, darkness, something hidden, perhaps even death. And white gets associated with purity, light and transparency. Whether it causes offence or not is a different story. People have every right to be offended by a word for personal reasons, but that doesn't mean the word is offensive by definition. What is offensive to one person is not necessarily offensive to another. Ricky Gervais, one of my favourite stand-up comedians, sums it all up really well. He states that it's incorrect to say those words are offensive. The correct statement is those words are offensive to me. I did some research just to see what people thought about the expression white lies. One person wrote, it's about as racist as calling a shark a great white shark. So not very racist. Another wrote, is the expression a big fat lie anything related to fat shaming? No, no, it's not. Great. I'm glad we cleared that up. So what is the harm in telling a little fib every now and then to protect yourself or to protect someone else? It's something that's built into us, like a self-defence mechanism. When I was a kid, I smashed a vase in the lounge because I was playing football inside, something I'd already been told about on numerous occasions. When asked how the vase smashed, I instinctively said that I knocked it off by accident. So I still owned up to it, but I failed to mention the football to avoid any extra punishment. So I protected myself and in a way I protected my mum because she didn't have to shout at me. And it wasn't going to change the outcome anyway, was it? At least that's what I told myself, just to feel less guilty. But if you hadn't noticed, these white lies also follow us into adulthood and we learn to use them tactfully and mostly with good intentions. They act like the WD-40 of social interactions, lubricating our conversation at a time when it has the potential to get ugly if the honest truth is revealed. Here's an example, a classic. What do you think of this new dress, dear? Now you're not going to say, I think you look like a school dinner lady from 1992. Even if that was true, you wouldn't dare. You'd say, yeah, it looks really nice unless you wanted a clip round the ear. I actually told a white lie today. I was in the kitchen 
and I sneakily try to eat a cake without my four-year-old daughter spotting me, but her cake radar is very strong. She asked me from across the kitchen, um, Papa, what's that over there with the cream on it? I was like, oh no. I told her it was an old mouldy cake that I found at the back of the fridge. She stopped for a second just to consider my reply. And honestly, I thought I'd been rumbled for a second. But she walked away, satisfied that her father was not a greedy and selfish pig scoffing secret cakes in the kitchen. Do I feel guilty about telling this white lie to a four-year-old? No. I told this lie to save her teeth and to look out for her health, not so that I didn't have to share the cake. Shut up. I did. You don't know. Let's talk about being subtle. If a white lie is told, it needs to be convincing. The subtleties are essential because if you're caught telling such a pathetic lie, you look really stupid and it ends up worse than the honest truth would have been. I was working at an office job back in England and I sat next to this sweet and kind young girl who always smiled and complimented people. She was very British and she made people feel positive. She was really nice. One morning, a woman from the other end of the office came to our desk to get some reports. Now, this woman was the opposite of the girl I just described. She was hench and hard-looking. But on this rare occasion, she had quite clearly painted on some eyebrows and added some makeup, just trying to make herself look good. Now, I don't want to sound mean, but her eyebrows looked horrendous. The way a shivering toddler would draw eyebrows on their dolly. I noticed this, obviously, but of course it was nothing to do with me, and so I just quietly got on with my work. My sweet colleague, however, she felt the need to share a little white lie, with the very best intentions, I might add. She said, oh, have you done your eyebrows? They look so beautiful, really. It was way too much, and her attempt at flattery wasn't subtle at all and for all her good intentions she ended up sounding really false and insincere. I was sat between the exchange and honestly I wanted the ground to swallow me up. It was an unnecessary white lie gone wrong. A white lie is there to protect someone's feelings from the sometimes brutal truth but how should we decide when it's worth using one because it can be good just to be upfront and honest too. I'm going to give you two real life scenarios from my own life and explain why I chose to lie in one and not the other and we'll try and work it out. Here's scenario one. Some years ago I started teaching private English lessons to a guy. It started off okay but after a while I really started to feel anxious about meeting him. He made a lot of distasteful jokes about women, sexual innuendos, and I just couldn't work with him anymore. When you have to speak to someone one-to-one several times a week, there should be at least a minimum level of enjoyment, and I didn't have it. I genuinely didn't feel good, and it started to affect other areas of my life, so I had to find a way to remove this student. And how was I going to do that? Well, it was easy, really. There were only two choices. It was tell the truth or tell a little white lie. Now, the truth would be brutal in this case because the central reason involves another person's character and personality, and that's very sensitive. There's just no way 
that telling the truth would make him or me feel good. The white lie had to be the right option. And that's what I did. I made up some excuses and eventually he disappeared. Scenario two, a little bit different. My good friend in England, in fact two of my good friends, invited me to their stag do weekends before they got married. Now if you don't know, British stag do's are always a bit extravagant, so they both involved going to Spain for three or four days. Spending a fair amount of money of course, drinking myself into a coma and generally getting up to all kinds of shenanigans. I knew straight away I didn't want to go. Even if I loved these guys dearly and I didn't want to let them down or the other lads down, it just wasn't how I wanted to spend my time and money at this stage of my life. Again, a decision. Should I be honest, which could risk my friend taking it personally if I didn't want to go? Or should I make up a little white lie? But like I said, scenario two is different because the central reason here is about my feelings and not someone else's. I am the person that I need to protect. I told the truth. I just said, sorry guys, I just have some other priorities at the moment in my life, but I hope you have a really good time. And it felt great. I think you should just own your feelings and not hide them away. In conclusion, a white lie is okay. There's no need for you to swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Don't feel guilty about telling a few porky pies sometimes, especially when you do it with the right intentions. But please, please be subtle and make sure you only use them when it's completely necessary. You don't want to get used to lying because when lies grow, so does your nose and things get really ugly. Just ask Pinocchio. I hope you enjoyed those little stories. I'm sure you can relate to some of them. We're going to jump into part two very shortly where we're going to pick out some English language that I used which maybe you don't find in textbooks or you haven't heard before. We're going to look at idioms. We're going to look at some slang and informal language, some new vocabulary, maybe some phrasal verbs too. Part two is about analysing and focusing on the language, taking it out of context and really feeling comfortable with these new expressions so you can start using them in your everyday life. Just before we head over, I've run out of coffee. Any contribution that you can make as a listener to this podcast really helps. It helps to motivate me and helps me to create more material and feel like everything I'm doing is worthwhile. You can really help by heading over to buymeacoffee.com slash one British man. On there, you can donate whatever you want. You don't have to do it, of course, but it would be really nice. Also, there's a little extras part on there. There's an ebook available. It's just a little $1 ebook. $1? You can't buy anything for a dollar these days. I might as well give it away. But yeah, go and get that too if you want it. All right, into part two then. Let's go. And it's difficult to use the words white and black in any context without someone jumping down your throat and accusing you of being a racist. To jump down someone's throat. This means to react angrily to something that someone says or does. You can jump down someone else's throat or they can jump down your throat, depending on the situation. Usually we use this when someone overreacts to a situation. So they are angrier than they should be. And maybe you're a bit shocked by the way they snapped back at you. 
Here's an example. I told her that I'd fed the ducks with some leftover tortellini pasta and she jumped down my throat saying that ducks don't eat pasta and that I'm such an idiot sometimes. Just a little disclaimer, no ducks were hurt in the making of this podcast. I didn't feed them tortellini. That that would be stupid. So I still owned up to it. Own up. Own up is a phrasal verb. If you own up to something, you admit to doing something wrong or embarrassing. If we think about it, the verb to own, it means to possess something. And if you possess something, you usually have to take responsibility for it. Owning up is also something like taking responsibility by admitting it was you that did it. Let's look at some examples. Yesterday, I farted in my yoga class, but I didn't own up to it because it was far too embarrassing. There we go. That was a nice one. Or think of this scenario. A teacher walks into a class and sees that one student has drawn a giant penis on the blackboard. Who would do such a thing? Um, Yes, it's a blackboard because we're living in 1955. The teacher is obviously angry and shouts, right, who did it? Own up. And own up here would mean admit it if it was you. Own up. Sorry for my childish examples, by the way. Sorry, not sorry. You'd say, yeah, it looks really nice. Unless you wanted a clip round the ear. A clip round the ear technically means a quick hit on the side of the head, which is quite aggressive, isn't it? It's something you may give to someone for doing something bad, but not really bad. Like if you were being rude to someone or if you offended them slightly, and it would have to be someone that you knew quite well. So often it could be a father and son scenario. Maybe the son says to his father, oh, dad, you don't understand anything. You're too old. And the father says, Oi, watch your mouth. I'll give you a clip round the ear. Now, I know what you're thinking. What kind of parents hit their kids around the side of the head? And of course, this kind of physical punishment, even in a playful way, is not really accepted these days. But it used to be. It used to be fine. Kids would actually get a clip round the ear, not just threatened with it, or a slapped wrist, or even more, a belt in some severe cases. Luckily, these things are far less present in our modern societies and all that remains is the expression. Lots of expressions are outdated and we use these old-fashioned ideas. Uh, So when I'm at the pub watching football and I say, oh, I need to get home, I'll get a clip around the ear if I'm late. I don't actually mean my wife is going to hit me around the face. Or do I? And honestly, I thought I'd been rumbled for a second. Rumbled. Rumbled, often used with to be rumbled. If you've been rumbled, it means someone has discovered the truth behind a secret that you've been keeping or found out the truth of what happened. Here are some examples for context. I tried to sneak out of the house last night to go to a party, but I was rumbled by my parents who heard the creaky bedroom door opening. Or in a more serious situation, we could say, The fraudulent activities of this company were eventually rumbled by the authorities and the CEO went to prison for many years. The reason I mentioned to be rumbled as a common way to use this verb is because when we use to rumble, we are actually referring to something very different. If something rumbles, it creates a continuous low sound. 
For example, when you're hungry, I'm sure you've heard your stomach or your tummy make that noise, you know what I mean, when you're really hungry and it's rumbling. You say, my tummy's rumbling, I'm so hungry. Thunder also rumbles, and I guess also an earthquake can create a rumbling sound. A greedy and selfish pig scoffing secret cakes in the kitchen. Scoff. Okay, we're going to look at two ways to use the word scoff. One is a horrible way to react towards another person, and one is a horrible way to eat food. First, let's take to scoff at someone or to scoff at something. If you scoff at someone, you react to what they said by laughing or talking about their idea in a way that shows you think their idea was stupid. You are discrediting what they say, and it usually makes the other person feel bad. It makes them feel small. It's really disrespectful to scoff at someone. Here's an example, and I'll even do the scoffing sound at the beginning, that horrible snorting laugh. Oh, I've got this really cool idea for a new podcast. I'm going to teach English to people in a natural way and actually have some fun at the same time. Uh, Okay, I probably won't listen to that one. That's scoffing. Not very nice. Now let's take a look at what it means to scoff food. Like the example I used, if you scoff a cake, you really smash that cake into your mouth, like the whole thing, like cream all over your face, making similar noises to that snorting sound before, but this time because it's difficult to breathe with so much cake in your gob. It's not good manners to scoff your food, but sometimes that cake is just so good and I believe it's an acceptable expression of pleasure. I just thought of some new language. I'm going to call it the double scoff. It's where you combine these two meanings. Are you ready? You have a cake in front of you. Someone tells you about their podcast idea and you hit them with a double scoff. So you fill your mouth full of cake and then you tell them how stupid their idea is. So it's like, a podcast? Who listens to podcasts these days? I wouldn't listen to that. Sounds stupid. That was a double scoff and it doesn't really exist. She was hench and hard looking. Hench. If someone is hench, they usually have quite big muscles or their natural body shape is just big and strong, especially around the shoulders. So being hench is not bad at all. In my example, I used it to accurately describe the extreme differences between two people. One was small, dainty and petite and the other was hench. And generally getting up to all kinds of shenanigans. Shenanigan. Shenanigan. What a fun word to say. If we translate it as a noun, a shenanigan is a trick. But we usually use it as an expression, all kinds of shenanigans. If we get up to all kinds of shenanigans, we are doing things that are mischievous, naughty, causing a bit of trouble. Not in a serious way, but just having some fun. Remember, to get up to something is to do something. Like, what are you up to? It means, what are you doing? Imagine you're on holiday with some friends and you're all a bit excited, maybe drinking too much beer, and suddenly the whole holiday is about escaping reality, partying every night, getting into mischief. Then we could say, oh, it was a great holiday, but we got up to all kinds of shenanigans. 
hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope it was useful and you learned some new English language that you can use immediately. Be brave, use it, make mistakes is the best way to learn. Don't forget to check out my website at speakenglishwithlee.com. Head over to buymeacoffee.com slash onebritishman to help contribute to this material. Thanks very much again, and I look forward to seeing you all soon. Goodbye. my treasures